It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The the end of the episode that's when it technically ends hello and welcome to building the game a documentary podcast today is monday july 13th and you're listening to episode 424 once again i'm your host jason and finally for the first time in quite a while joined back again by one of our regular co-hosts if i can call him that anymore because they're never on it feels like uh, i've got julio hey pal Hey Jason, you know it's I don't it's not my fault. So no, it's you, it's not you your fault. No, back, no. And I uh, well, it, <laughs> I had scheduled a couple of guest episodes, and then with everything going down, I wanted to have a couple special guests on um, who could talk about some different topics, and so those all kind of backed up into each other, and it meant that uh, you and uh, Jason and Nicole just got neglected for a bit. But I figured you could handle it, so yeah. No, no worries, no worries, and you know that what that means. Bringing me back, that means we're stuck some game design, back to some game design. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, I mean, taking a break isn't so bad. I mean, you know, I know you've been busy uh, doing your job and doing stuff, and I think everything oh, going man. on. So um, it's been, it's been, it's been crazy, really. This past month has been a roller coaster. Um, yeah, like I mentioned last time, I was on the podcast. I, I started a new temporary position uh, at my work so it's been very stressful and and i also uh i guess the the what was it? the the game design stuff i i have finished up the korea board game design stuff and yeah and I got into a new design for another contest so that was a you know that was a good thing i'll get into that later um but i also st- started studying for my professional engineers exam that right. was a biggie um and at this point you know i've it's been more than a month and, and i'm not even probably 15 percent with the book done it's 1500 oh pages of a re- review book so it's it's slowly but surely uh the exam is on in october so i still have some time but i think i gotta pick up the pace right right yeah that is uh, uh that sounds like a book i never want to read Never want to read that book. I'm very thankful for people like you, Julio, who who want to read books like that and, and can do those jobs. <laughs> and and you know what? I'm actually enjoying it to not, to some extent because obviously all this that I'm reading is stuff that I took back in college and and it right, comes right. back to me. And and I think to some extent that may actually help my design in some way. You know, thinking in different ways. You know, reinforcing that three dimensional uh, thinking. So hopefully that that'll work out in, in the subconsciousness. Well, yeah, I think obviously yeah. I think anyone that knows your designs know that you are a uh, you lean heavy on your engineering aptitude when it comes to your designs. So I'm sure it can't hurt to uh, to brush up on some of that stuff. Because uh, it'll just give you more ideas for crazy, crazy uh, board games that uh, involve boxes and towers and all sorts of weird stuff that I love. Yeah, and and it hasn't been all you know work and stuff. I to keep to keep my sanity. I just had it my my twenty ninth birthday, so the we we had my, our friends over from Birmingham and and we had a lot of fun we went tubing on the french broad river and oh fun you know, kept, kept our distance from people so but it was a whole lot of fun and played a lot of board games too we got some games that i usually don't get on the table like terraforming mars and seven wonders and stuff like that because you know hi- higher player count and and of course more complicated games as well so that was that was a lot of fun awesome awesome 
Yeah, we've been pretty busy here. I uh, I am officiating a wedding this weekend, uh, so that is oh. that's a first time for that. I've got some good friends that are getting married, and they uh, um, they asked me if I would be willing to do it, and I said of course. So I had to get registered as <laughs> being a minister. Um, but uh, yeah, they uh, they they wanted they wanted somebody to do. Uh, uh, a somewhat of a churchy wedding uh, out in the out okay. not at a church, but um, they don't have a church, so they didn't have a pastor. So, so they were like, "Well, Jason's a cool guy. Let's have him do it." So uh, I, I'm honored that well, they that would ask me. That no, <laughs> What'd you say? Awesome, but that just means that no other no other minister wanted to do it because of the right. everything going on. Huh? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, they just they they really didn't know anyone, and they they asked me, and I was I was very honored to do that. Um, originally, I think they were planning on doing something a little different. Uh, uh, maybe we were going to go somewhere and I was going to do that, uh, but now we can't really travel, so uh, so we're going to this nice location not too far from our place. going to be like 12 people there, including everyone standing up, um, so I'm excited to do it, uh, but that has been a lot so, so, to get to get prepared for, So because I don't want to mess it up, you know? So did you do what they usually do on um, TV shows? Did you get ordained online? Oh, yeah. That is the easiest thing <laughs> you will ever do, man. It was free, and it took five minutes um, and then, wow. it's, and then I ordered a bunch of stuff and that costs about, I don't know, it was about 90 bucks to get it, sh- everything and it shipped to my place. Um, cause I didn't know huh. what credentials I might need. Um, because it said some States will ask for this letter or some States will ask for this thing. And I was like, they're probably not gonna ask for any of that, but I don't want to be the reason they didn't get married. <laughs> so I'm going to just <laughs> buy it all. Um, but I, I mean, I'm happy to do it because well, I, I take that, I mean, all joking aside, I take that very, very seriously. Um, you know, and, uh, if I can help make their, make their day special, uh, that I'm really excited to be able to be a part of that. When's their wedding going to be? Uh, what'd you say? When is their wedding? Yeah. Yeah. This Saturday. Uh, so July 11th. So when you're awesome. hearing we'll this builders, them, give them a shout out on the podcast. What's, what's their name? Uh, their names are Ro and Kevin. Awesome. Well, congratulations, Ro and Kevin. Yeah. It's pretty, it's we pretty wish great. You so the best. Yeah. And uh, well, all right, so I played I played a game recently. Before we talk about a topic, I played a game. I so I uh, I somebody sent me this thing. It was like an educational um, toy thing or something, and so I was trying to help them out and support them because they were trying to sell the stuff. So I looked it up and uh, and I found this game called Exact Change, um, and it is I didn't know what it was. It was a card game, and it was about like. I, from what I understood, it was a card game where all the cards had like cha- coins on them, and it was about making change. That's that's all I knew. So I said, "I'll, I'll why not? I'll buy it." Um, so I bought it, uh, and it turns out it's it's basically Uno, but with money. Um, so like okay. you get you get seven cards in your hand. And there's there's one little thing they did different that's clever, and I really like it. Um, but basically, you've got. Uh, um, you're gonna flip a card over, which will be one of the one of the change cards, uh, and that that will have on it. It will have a either just one coin or multiple coins with the total amount listed, and it will have a color. And then your job as the player with the seven cards you're dealt is to run out of cards, just like always. Um, and you have to play. When you play, you have to By match. Giving an exact change. Well, kind of. Yes, that's that's an option. But <laughs> so the other part is the Uno, right? It's if I if it's one coin and I can match that coin, I get it. Or if I can match that color with a different coin or a different amount, that's okay too. But yes. So if there's like 50 cents out there, say it's even a 50 cent piece, um, cause I do have those in the game. 
I could play two quarters and say exact change, and now I've played two cards, right? Um, if I had five mm-hmm. pennies and there was a nickel out there, I could get rid of five cards, right? Um, well, so cool. it's it's very it's it's that part is clever, and the kids really feel like that part is clever, and it's basically just getting tricking them into doing math, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> so that <laughs> game has been a huge hit. Um, so that was yeah. Shout out to them. Um, I think it's Discovery Toys who sells it. I don't know that that's who printed it, um, but you know it's it was cool. I was uh, I was happy about it. Um, that it was, um, you know, that it, that I, that I happened to pick a good game and just trying to support a friend selling some stuff. So, um, anyways, yeah. So that was, so that was your my... friend, the designer, what, what, what's oh, the, no, they, what's the I, relationship between your friend and the game? I no, they sell discovery toys. Like they're a person who sells, okay. I think like they would have normally had like a party where you came and saw the toys. Some of them kind of like a, one of those other things where people sell candles or something. Um, but because yeah. of the virus, uh, that we, we they couldn't have a party, and I, I'll be honest, I wouldn't have went to the party anyways. Uh, but I would have said that what I did, which was, hey, send me a link. Uh, and so she did. So I bought a couple toys for the kids, including this game. Um, but I'm really happy with it. Uh, we play a lot of board games, and uh, it's always nice to have fresh stuff. And you know me, I'm always down for a good card game that's easy to you know take with us and play. And so yeah, yeah. So yeah, now you know, builders. If you wanna, if you have any kids, or even you, if you wanna learn some math. There, 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 there it is. Exact change. Yeah. Well, on my side, I've been, I've been actually, like I said, I've been working on a new design for another contest. Oh, I guess before I get into that, uh, a little update on the Korea board games. Uh, yeah, a little contest. update uh, on that, huh? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, they announced the finalists yesterday, and I was one of the finalists. You were. Congrats! I saw that. So I was yeah, excited so, when I saw so that. I yesterday. sent it out. I, I, I sent it out and and well let's hope for the best I think it's definitely a very solid game and I, I was it was very funny because you see this finalists and and all the names of the games and the people there except two people are are in Korean so it's funny seeing seeing like your name between all those Korean names and <laughs> right. different syllables and stuff like that so right so we'll, we'll see how it goes wish me the best there um so after I finished with that, they announced the Button Shy 18 card challenge, and I never participated in any of those because with 18 cards, I'm you know I, it's very limited and it's never I never really had an idea based on whatever the challenge was. But when they announced that, I saw it, and I at the time uh, I was driving to some places, and in that time I just thought up of a of a fairly good idea for a worker placement game because is that is it worker placement yep yep worker placement game that uses just 18 cards you can't use any tokens you can't rip cards or anything along those lines so so i've been working on a game called card venture uh it's uh it's uh, at this point i think it's at a really good state and i'm writing the rules so the contest will be over at the end of july Hopefully I'll uh, and at some point I'll I'll pitch it in the future. Uh, explain a little bit more, but awesome! It's a it's a fairly cool design, so I'm I'm excited. Very cool, very cool. All right, well we have a topic we're going to chat about here. Yeah, I'm going to let you intro because it was so, your idea. So that way, if any if it, if this yeah. goes down in flames, I can be like, hey guys, this was Julio's idea. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Yeah, no, no problem. Yeah, so the topic I wanted to to bring to the table here is cultural appro- appropriation. 
uh, and anything yes. related to that. And 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 the reason I, I was thinking of that is because, as you all know, I'm from Port, uh, Puerto Rico, and um, one of the big things uh, when I started uh, playing board games was that at the time the game Puerto Rico was number one on BGG, and I thought that was very curious because man, that's awesome. A name a game called Puerto Rico is is number one uh, between all the board games and and i was very excited to play that game at some point and probably fast forward maybe a year or two years that's when i first played it and i was just so surprised of the depiction of of puerto rico in in that game and 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 just kind of how they took the liberty of just maybe basically uh, butchering the the culture identity of of Puerto Ricans because right, right. obviously uh, it, it's it's a set in in earlier times for those of you that have played Puerto Rico it's a worker placement one of the earlier really good worker placement games um, after I played it you know I thought it was okay people may may <laughs> give me a hard time for that but yeah it wasn't that exciting and I think the whole of course the experience with the culture part of it was a damper there. Of course, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah. I, I would expect that, you know. I mean, that's if the if they if they really screwed up the culture part, that's hard when it's but it's your culture, right? Yeah, 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 and and that's why I wanted to bring it uh, to the table because in this industry, and again, this goes back to the whole uh, predominantly white male uh, industry when it comes to designers, and and thankfully, there's been a lot more designers from different uh, ethnicities and races yes. and cultures yes. coming into design and, and bringing a lot of really cool stuff to the table. Um, like I, one, one example is uh, with Board Game Brothers, um, Omari Akil, he's the yeah. designer of Rap, Rap Gods, and he's actually from North Carolina. And that's the kind of thing... We won't that hold that against him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's he's on the Chapel Hill uh, area, close to Josh Mills. So. Yeah, oh gosh, oh <laughs> gosh, I thought I was gonna like this guy. <laughs> no, he, he's a cool guy, and and he made this game called Rap Gods, and yes, it's a theme yes. that is obviously very unique, and it's actually a Euro game that you're you're mm-hmm. a rapper and you're trying to make the best records and be the best that ever was, right? So it's very Euroy, but it, the theme is so attached to to the mechanisms of the game, which is something that not many Euros games can say that, that it works that way. <laughs> right, uh, right. And of course, he is very personally involved in, in this theme. Uh, and, and I'm not saying because of, of uh, because he's black, but because he, he was involved in that industry early in his life. Uh, right. So I, I, I really appreciate that kind of design where, you can take your own experience and apply it to the to the design and show people somewhat of that experience through the game, and that is really what uh, a game should do when it's showing a, a different culture or a di- or a theme that that to some sense is different to what you're used to, um, and and it is definitely very hard uh, to to say so at least because with so many games coming out. These days, uh, it is very hard to stand out, and a lot of what people do is just pick a theme that hasn't been used before. And the first thing that jumps to mind, and 
and I'm just saying because this is what I see, and I don't know how bad the cultural appropriation is on that, but is using uh, names of cities in games. Um, like every other German game has a name of a city from somewhere around the world that uses as a base for the theme of the game. And to some sense, uh, those games are usually... Uh, I guess mechanism only and just a pasted on, on theme. And sometimes I would prefer that over going a little beyond and, and, and doing it, not doing it justice with the theme. But at the same time, it's taking away the opportunity from people to really express that theme the right way. Right. Yeah. And it, I think the, it's a double edged sword, right? The idea that it's pasted on, at least means that it, it maybe isn't like making fun of the culture, or making light of the culture, but it's also not doing any favors of honoring the culture. If it's just, if, yep. if, if, you know, the name of the, the name of the game is Beijing, but it could just as easily be Los Angeles or, you know, uh, London or any other yep. city, then yes. Then why did you pick that theme? Did you pick it? Because you're like, it'd be really cool to have, you know, like, like, Asian style artwork, right? You know what I mean? That's and that's the wrong reason to pick the game. Um yeah. Yeah. So I it, it's I think that it's especially hard for a bunch of white guy designers, which like you said historically, right? That's what game design was filled with. Um and they were picking themes that sounded interesting and cool to them. Or they were pacing them on. And I think because of that, we ended up with a lot of colonialism uh, in our early games, right? And even still today. uh, But a lot of, obviously, those Euro-style games and stuff have that just baked right into it. Or, you know, and and that's not great at all. That's that's bad. Um, But I I do think that the diverse voices we're getting are really helpful um, in trying to put us on the right path towards that. Yeah, and I guess one of the shortcomings with with these type of designs is that, like I said, number one is that you want to make it unique and you and you try to take something that hasn't been used before to some sense. But the other one that doesn't really help these designs is that the that it involves a lot of research on your part to do it right, and and since you've already done most of the game design work, the mechanisms wise, that's why a lot of the games seem like it's pasted on. But right. when you develop the game in tandem with the with the theme, it can be such a good game. And it, but it's going to take a lot of work. Like but, you say, uh, you you think of a game like Wingspan. You know, say what you say about Wingspan. A lot of people love it, uh, and you know, it has won a lot of awards. And it's the kind of game that you know, it's not really technically going t- towards a culture, but it's going towards a, a certain industry, you know, bird watchers and 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 all that. And at the same time, is is teaching people about these animals that you know. At first, they started with North North American birds, and then the they went to European birds, and now they're going to Oceania, and 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 that's really cool. I mean, it's it's just a way to through the the game and the theme you can have a lot of fun and learn at the same time and right. but and i know i've heard elizabeth hargrave say on, on some podcasts that when she develops the specific powers for the birds she tries to 
uh, simulate what the bird does in its life throughout either nesting or right. or being a predator and that kind of stuff. And that is really cool. Uh, I, but like I said, it involves so much work on the designer's part, on the publisher's part. And a lot of the time, people just, just don't, don't want to go that extra mile. What, and, even and though if they be that way, even if they do, right? Even if I is is me, I'm Jason, and I'm like, so I can give a great example uh, from from a time when I feel like I screwed up, um, and I, it's a game I've talked about on the show, um, and I uh, I had, so a long time ago I designed a game that I called Freaky Tiki, uh, and it was about Polynesian islands uh, and like these tiki masks and like. Uh, you were like from this Polynesian tribe and you would wear these masks to give yourself special powers. And, and I did like no research, you know, on stuff. I just called the cards what I felt like calling them. And, um, and I always said, well, I'll do more research later. Like if somebody's interested in this, right. Um, and I, I truly would have, right. But here's the, here's the deal. Like in the end, I, I think about like, is that my story to tell? Right. Because it's, it's. Yeah. I mean, I can do all the research and I can do everything to honor the culture, but like, is it necessarily my story to tell? Um, in, in maybe it's okay. Maybe if I do all the research, you know, I, I work with people uh, with, you know, from that culture, maybe it's okay then. Um, but but I don't, I don't know. And I, I feel nervous that maybe it's not okay, right? Um, in, in one of the things that really made this clear to me was last week we had Sen and Banana on it. I don't know if you heard that episode or not. Yeah, um, yep, I did. But like, so obviously they are both, they are both Asian, right? And they were making a game about, yep. you know, they're both Chinese, right? So not only are they Asian, they're both Chinese. They're making a game about Chinese culture, myths, legends, oppression, real history, all of these things together. And they were like, oh my gosh, we should use these awesome, authentic um, uh, these, I don't remember what they're called, but Vampires. these little, st- well, the, no, the sh- yes. Sh- that. Sh- sh- oh, the, the, uh, juncture. Um, but the, uh, juncture. Um, there you go. But no, I'm saying like they had these like sticks they talked about using for randomizers because they're oh, like, yeah. you know, and then they were like, wait a minute, like this is like, this is for religious ceremonies. And then they said, oh gosh, and these spirit papers you're using, we need to change these because like this is like someone's work and like if we do it by these exact things then like we're you know we're, we're copying them and in in these i mean like sen and banana are two amazing people that do tons of research and are super respectful of all this stuff i mean anyone that knows either of them would know that that's absolutely true right um yeah. and still they found themselves making missteps right to where they had to say wait let's do this in a different way you know um and uh, and of course they caught that all along the process, but like I guess what I'm saying is it's easy not to catch that, right? Um, it's easy to 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 have those mistakes um, that never get caught. Um, and had it not been them, had it been somebody less sensitive to the culture, they would have never caught that, right? They'd be like, oh, these spirit papers are cool. Let's just take these off the internet and use them, right? Um, not thinking yeah, about the and, cultural and- significance. And just because, let's say, you, you, you can tell the story because you're a part of that culture, it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. Um, I've actually right. had uh, an early design that involved what's called a vejigante. Vejigante, it's actually, um, it is a, a, a festival that happens in only two towns in the world. 
and one of them is in Ponce, Puerto Rico, which is my hometown. And in this, uh, Ave Gigante is basically this uh, mask uh, person that has this very colorful, let's say, uh, costume, but it's really uh, more like a dress type deal that has uh -huh. like a cape and everything. You can search nice. it online for those that are wondering. It's uh, V as in Victor, E, uh, J, I, G, A, N, T, E, Vejigante. Um, it is a wonderful, very colorful festival, and it is the kind of thing that these people that dressed up as Vejigantes, when I was uh, young, they would actually, this was all, usually around the time of February, spring in Puerto Rico, uh, they would run around neighborhoods with these uh, socks full of um, like uh, bottles, and they would hit people with these because... Oh dear! That was just part of the of the of the culture, and this these things represent like demons in a sense. So for kids, they were very scary. And <laughs> I would be as an like adult, older, I would be afraid of that. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was all kind of fun and games type deal, but but uh, in the festival is one of thing one of those scenes that you see it, and it's wonderful. It's such a magical thing see on all these colorful and very creative costumes and masks with these horns you've got like some masks that have dozens of horns on it it's it's wow. a very interesting thing and 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 it's the kind of theme that i think it could would do so well with a board game and i'm in this obviously unique situation where hey i i think i can i can make it, do do it justice to this theme but i'm actually been very uh i guess uh, uh locked in the sense of man i can't think of anything that could do it justice for this design for this theme and uh, because it's not easy just because you can tell the story doesn't mean that it is easy because it does take a lot of work and and it is one of those designs that i'm always thinking about what could i do with this and and i think it, it is something that it could be very interesting and And that's just just to say, just because you can do a design and 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 with the culture that you represent or or race that you represent, it, it's not going to be easy. And that's why people just don't don't do don't go that extra mile to do so. Um, so yeah, that's that's at least one that I've thought about for for myself. Now, one thing that's that's for me actually very important regarding this topic is uh my game coming out from floodgate games uh holy festival of colors right so in this game this game is basically it, it's walking a very fine line because uh in in a lot of different places this festival is celebrated as as something just color and fun but in reality this is a religious festival in india Um, that that it's obviously still celebrates the uh, celebrates family and friendship and and a lot of really good things. Uh, of course, when I first pitched this game to Floodgate, it didn't have that theme at all. So when they mentioned that they were going to go with the Festival of Colors theme, you know, I was I was psyched because it obviously opens itself to these to this colorful, beautiful game. But at the same time, I was a little scared because okay. 
they have to do this right. And I was actually very pushy regarding that. And and uh, and to give Ben Harkins credit, he he was from the start. He was yeah. I've already got three cultural consultants regarding this, and we're because we want to do this right. That's fantastic. And, and people don't really realize that because a lot of the times from the outside. Uh, you see something like this and you don't know the work that's gone behind it. You also have to get credit where credit's due. But like anything, you know, you always have the trolls that people may see, oh, there's that theme. Are you going to do a, a, a game that involves uh, uh, Jewish uh, festivals as well and stuff like that? I remember seeing a comment about that. And I was like, well, let's see what the publisher says. <laughs> and the publisher was like, "No, not currently. But if you have any any feedback, let us know." <laughs> uh, because it is one of those things that it can it can touch people a certain way, and, and you definitely got to do it right. And and now we're talking about an American publisher and a Hispanic designer, and doing a game that involves an Indian religious festival. It is definitely something that we were very, I was very concerned and they were very concerned. But, uh, and, and throughout the development, it's very interesting going through it and how the game changed because of the feedback given by the cultural consult- consultants. Uh, like, for example, one little thing was uh, the game has four meeples that represent animals. Uh, I know there's the peacock, the crocodile, uh, there's a bear, and and i think like a like a rabbit or something like that but at one point there was there was an ox as one of the animals and as you all know um the the cow is 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 a religious symbol in india uh, and the ox is very you know is obviously is part of the same family so right, right. even though it wasn't representing the cow uh, the cultural consultant is just to be safe let's just stay away from any animal in that family and, and, and let's go with something else. There's a lot of different animals. And just those little things that you really don't don't think about it, but it's, it can be so so important for sure. Yeah. No, I think that, that is, that's really good that they hired the cultural consultants. So it wasn't even like we did a bunch of research. It was we actually asked people who are involved with this, you know, with this culture um, so that they can, you know, they can help us. And I, I think that's if you're going to do it, I think that's the way to do it. Um, you know, one of the things I did want to point out though, was I think that in, in you kind of tied into this here, I think cultural appropriation, and I know even for myself for a long time, I didn't understand it. Right. Even, I even joked with you before we started the show that when you said you wanted to talk about this topic, I did something that I rarely do, which was I went out and researched it today before we talked about it (laughs) because I wanted to really like, I wanted to, I, I understand what it is. But I also didn't want to misspeak, so I was like, "Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do some more research and read about it, you know." And so for a long time, I was like, "I don't, I don't get it. Like, why is cultural appropriation a big thing, right?" Um, and of course, as like a Midwestern white dude, right, um, it was easy for me to feel that way. Um, but yeah. over the years, of course, I've become a lot more sensitive to this stuff. I've learned a lot. I've, I've, I've awoken a lot around all this stuff, and. Um, and that's just because, you know, I'm trying to be trying to show up the, trying to pay attention, trying to learn and trying to understand that, you know, the view that I have of the world is very different than the view that other people have of the world. And, and I want to fix that, right. I want, and not their view, meaning fix my own view, open my eyes. Um, 
So anyways, uh, I, I think it's important if you're listening to this and you're like, cultural appropriation is not a big deal, like blah, uh, social justice warriors or something like that. If you're, if you're anywhere on that spectrum of feeling that way, right? W- what I challenge you to do is think of something that is, that is very important to you. Um, if you're religious, that's a, great, that's a great one. Think of your religion. Think of the most sacred thing within your religion and then imagine if some other culture took it and started using it um, for something that went against everything you believed in um, or even just even just trivialized it in a way um, and, and think about would that bother you and, and I, I would expect well that if, if this thing means that much to you that it should bother you if it doesn't right Um you know, I was so I was reading about lots of different instances of cultural appropriation, and a lot of them for me, it's got to be like I have to, um, I have to really, I have to really consider it hard, right? Because it again, it's not something I have a, a big linkage to with other cultures, right? The the best two examples that hit me uh, with with the reading I did was. One talking about Native American representations, and you know, I mm-hmm. we've seen that happen a lot, right? Where somebody wears a headdress or something, and the example they used was really good because it was some fashion show. The lady wore, uh, the designer had this model, had her wear like this this headdress, but it wasn't just any headdress. It was a headdress modeled after, um, you know, like I think it was a war headdress, right? Um, which has huge cultural significance to um, to the Native Americans and to the indigenous people, right? Um, and that's yeah. like, so that's literally taking something at your core beliefs and making a joke out of it. And the other one I read that was interesting to me is, um, I, so I'm a Christian, but I'm not I'm not Catholic, right? But they were talking about how in Japan, um, this one like fashion company had taken crucifixes and like turned it into this like like fashionista thing that was completely devoid of like its original connotation. Right. Um, and if you're yeah. a Catholic, that's pretty important to you. Right. Um, so, yeah. And, and I got another example. Uh, so I, like I, I've said before, I work for the forest service and as specifically, I work for the forest service in, in the East. And, yes. and as you all know, going back to what you were talking about, the native Americans here yes. in the U S they, they were originally, here in North Carolina and Tennessee, and a lot of the national forests have a lot of artifacts regarding Native Americans. Right, and the right. biggest one is the tr- is the Trail of Tears, and this is the basically right. the trail that went yes. from from this area all the way up to Oklahoma when they moved the Native Americans up there, and we actually had a uh, uh, well, uh, they they had a problem. I guess it was probably seven years ago, where there was this construction crew that just they didn't know better, and they they moved some heavy equipment over this trail that you know if you don't are not looking for it you can't even see it, but it made such a big impact and there was such a big deal regarding all this that it changed how the whole archaeology uh, department would work in the Forest Service from then on. Like there right, had to right. there was a national apology involved and and all of that because. For us, it may not signify anything, but these people, they they cried and they bled and they died on this trail. Their ancestors did. Right. And yes. and when they saw that this was uh, disturbed to that extent, they, you know, they, they couldn't believe it and they cried because of it. And of course, we're like, oh, it's just a trail, right? 
but for them is so much more than that is is again it's their culture is it represents them as a people their history and it's something that we have to respect and and it all goes back to what we also were saying with uh you guys were saying with black lives matter is that just because it doesn't affect you it doesn't mean that it represents the same thing to everybody else right right because everybody has different experience everybody in the world has a different experience of how they experience the world and other people are a little have a better experience than others But to some extent, you have to empathize with people on how their experiences. And and again, going back to I'm, I live in the in the east, right in the southeast, and with the Confederate flag and 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 all that. That's a big deal here. You know, for some people, it represents oppression. For some people, it represents heritage. And it, it is one of those things that just because this doesn't represent a bad thing for you doesn't mean that you should be showing it around to people that represents oppression. Right, you have right. to empathize in that sense, and and of course it's it's easy to say that, and and some people are just in their roots at the same time, right, and they they don't want to see it any other way, um, and and you know going, I know that you've already talked about this and with other people, but it is definitely very important to to put ourselves in somebody's shoes, and is and there's you probably can only experience maybe ten percent of what they do by doing that, but. If you can go that extra step to do so, you you better at least try it. Right. And, 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 and with th- game design, go ahead. I was just say I think the important thing is that we believe people, right? When someone says, you know, if, if I'm a, a Confederate flag person, which of course I am not, burn burn them. Like I'm 100. I will I will. You can borrow my lighter, uh, torch them all. But um, <laughs> the like, if I'm one of those people and somebody says. Hey, you know, do you, do you realize what this represents to to me and my culture and in my ancestors? You know, to just be like, no, that's not what it means, right? I mean, that is um, in my coaching job. I one of the things I, I teach people a lot when I'm trying to explain empathy is is the idea of intention versus impact, right? And the idea that what you intended when you said something or did something that didn't matter, right? What mattered was how it landed with the person. How did it impact them, right? Um, that is what actually matters um, because yeah. you can have the best intentions, but, but, but you know, I mean, like we, we see this a lot right now, right? We see this a lot with a lot of well-meaning white people trying to do things that they think are going to be great that aren't great or, you know, because <laughs> because they're, they're not considering how someone else might feel about it, right? Um, and so, yeah, I think that, you know, empathy, see someone else's side and try hard. And when they tell you that something bothers them, believe them and ask why try to understand because when we understand each other, you know, it helps. And I think that, um, if you're so attached to, you know, there's the whole statue issue, right? Where they're tearing down statues, right? Which again, I support tear them down. Like, uh, if you want to have a bunch of stuff in a museum about the Confederacy. Great. You should, right? We should have museums about the Confederacy because we, people need to be able to go see those things and learn about them. Right. Because it was a thing, but, but you don't need statues in a town square glorifying it. Because that's what statues are for. Right. We don't put up statues for things we hate. We put up statues for things we love. And somebody had, I was talking to somebody about it and they had said, well, you know, you know, some of the founding fathers, they were slave owners. Should we tear down their statues? And I said, I'm sure. Like, I don't have a, I'm not attached to those. Like we don't need statues glorifying people who don't need to be glorified. And like, it, I, I don't understand this like need 
to put people on a pedestal like that. <laughs> no pun intended there, right? I mean, figuratively and literally. Like, what's why, why do we have to do that, right? These were people. Uh, they were not all great people. Some of them were, were bad people. Um, and, you know, learning about them, super important. Honoring them, I mean, like, that comes in different forms, right? Um, I think that the best way we can honor people, even bad people, is to make sure that everybody understands who those people were all around, right? Um, you know, we need to know, yeah, like, yeah, and- who, like, Thomas Jefferson, right? Oh, he's one of the founding fathers. But we need to know really who he was, right? We need to know, understand that the things he did that were not, not okay, far from okay, um, really bad things. Like, it's good to know that, right? Because otherwise, we tend to idolize and, and do this thing where we make folk heroes out of these real people who were not folk heroes, right? Um, so that's that's my that's my rant about that. <laughs> and, and the last thing on that before we go back to design is that ultimately you you have to understand that all these people were exactly that people, and people aren't perfect in a sense. So you can't be idolizing people in in in, in general just because they, you know they make mistakes. And we make mistakes as people as well. So you, you can't put anybody to a higher standard that you would put yourself when it comes to people in general. So it, it is one of those things that I, I definitely agree. And, and yeah, uh, there's <laughs> so now with uh, regarding back to the game design, one thing that I that I could say that people could try to go around uh, to to try to and show that culture in some way because like i mentioned in my last time i was on the podcast uh, i was working on that national treasures korea game and right and that was essentially because they were that was the theme of the of the contest you have to design a game around the culture of korea to some extent it can be a, a tiny thing like maybe base it off taekwondo or just or, or anything in general and and i decided to go with something that would showcase the culture uh and i had to do a lot of research i did 120 cards and each one of those cards had a cultural uh geographical a historical and a natural treasure on it that i had to do my research and and put it put in some information regarding it and make sure that their information was right uh, right because i didn't i definitely didn't and, and of course one the hardest thing was link each of those treasures to a certain location in the in the nation that people could relate it to uh because that's kind of what i wanted to do kind of have that that something physical that you could relate to 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 that geo geographical area of the country and it took a lot of time but i think it was worth it and of course you know you could see i, I was a finalist so i think i did something right at least with that so if you can if you can use a design to showcase something that you've learned about and you're excited to teach people about then go for it but you better do it right right you know and i think in your case like there was there wasn't a lot of risk with the way you were doing this for the Korea board game contest right when it, when you like yeah. we're kind of assessing risk of cultural appropriation right um, because they are saying hey we want this game about our culture. It is open to everyone. Um, and you have a great gatekeeper there, right? Um, if, if you put something out that is not indicative of their culture or highlighting their culture in a positive way or making light of it, you're going to get rejected, right? 
Um, yeah. And I'm sure that they were they were probably astounded by the amount of work you put in to really make sure that you were hitting all the notes correctly with the culture. And heck, there may be a few things you got wrong, right? Because again, like you never know. I probably right? did. Um, yep, yep. But that effort is great. And now you have people who are who live in that culture, right? And who work in that culture and um, that that can take the game and, and if they decide to publish it, they can ensure that all of that stuff is right, you know, and that it's done in an honorable way. And um, obviously there was much more risk with Holy, right? Which is why you were concerned at the beginning, like, this sounds awesome. Hey, but <laughs> I'm a little nervous about this, yeah. you know, and that's where the hiring of the cultural consultants to make sure that you hit those notes correctly is is good so yeah yeah and that brings a good point there because if you let's let's say you you do you are interested in making a game about a certain topic that may may walk the line between cultural appropriation and not uh just try and contact somebody that may know more be and, and get them involved in the project to some extent as well because uh i mean communication is just so so easy to do these days with the internet and Twitter mm-hmm. and Facebook and all that is it's fairly easy to find somebody that knows more about you about a certain topic that you may want to do right. So right. you you might as well try it. Contact somebody. There's always somebody that knows more about you than uh, at a certain topic. So just do your research in more ways than one. Not just on the topic, but maybe people that can help you in that topic. And of course, when it comes to design, it is definitely one of those things that you may be protective of your design. But at the same time, like we've always said, that ideas are a dime and a dozen. It's just execution that matters. Make sure you do it right. And if somebody can help you, and people are, are are yearning to be involved in something that could be something cool. And yeah. and, some, and, and, and getting somebody involved in the design that way could be something very uh, important for sure. Well, and I think, you know, the other, the other side of this coin that we need to hit on really quick here before I pitch a game um, is that we need to remember that the other, the other side of this coin is that representation matters, right? Um, we talk about this in books, in movies, in, you know, in, in games. Representation matters. Um, that's why a game like Rap Gods is so great when you're talking about um, you know, having a Euro that fits in this different culture, right, with this different theme. Like, that's amazing, right? Um, you know, or having a game... Uh, well-researched about Korea or about, you know, Holy the Festival of Lights. That's important because now when I'm a design, if I'm if I'm a kid living in one of those countries and I see this game, right, we want them to have the positive experience. We don't want them to have the kid from Puerto Rico experience, right, who is really excited yep. to play the game after his, his um, where he lives, right, and then it turns out that, nope, it's not, uh, you know, no, it's, 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 it's bad, right? Um, that's, that's terrible. And, and that could have turned you like right there. Had that been your first foray into board games thinking you wanted to design, that could have been it for you. Right. I could have just been, you could have just given up and said, I don't, I don't want to be a part of this. Right. Thank goodness you didn't, but that can happen. Um, so I think that, you know, if, if you're a designer who's, who's looking at something or maybe you have a game right now where you are very much highlighting a different culture, um, and you, you know, you're a little nervous about, am, am I doing it justice? Either find a designer, uh, with that heritage or with a lot of experience in that culture. Um, or, or just reach out to someone who's not a designer. Right. I mean, I, I had actually considered that with a couple ideas I had where it was like, well, you know, I could, I could just bring in someone, have them be a co-designer 
and really their job is to not do the mechanical crunch of it, right? It's to make sure that the mechanical crunch of the game is matching the culture correctly, right? Um, you know, and is, is doing everything it should be doing to highlight it in a good way, in an honoring way. Um, so I think, you know, I think there are things we can do to make sure that happens because representation does matter and we want to see those games out there, you know, so that's my last thoughts on that. Do you have anything else you want to say before we move on? Yes. Yes. The the last thing would say, and, and to, you know, go behind what you were saying, uh, and whatever you do, if you do it right, you could bring different voices to this industry. Yes. Um, again, and, and, and that it is so important as y'all know and and you know it, it's it's definitely something that we we have to work on and there's always room to improve definitely okay so you're going to pitch a game i am i am so i may have a long time ago pitched the original version of this game um it's a very simple pitch it's very light um and where this comes from is I, with the coaching work that I do and the team building work that I do, I've been trying to find some games that I can use to improve different things, right? To improve things like communication or teamwork or that sort of thing or delegation or understanding empathy. And, um, and as I was talking through this with someone, um, with another coach, and I was thinking about like, what, you know, what do I have that I could use? I thought I should really design a game that does this or that. And then I clicked it. I'm like, I have this game. And I've got an idea how to fix the issues with this game um, that I think would make it a good game for teaching a team how to think about the way other people communicate, right? Which is really important when you're working as a team is to remember that Julio communicates differently than I do or Jason Katarski or Nicole or whoever. They We all communicate slightly differently and understanding that about each other, right, um, is important. So, so yeah. So this game is called Opposite is Opposite, um, which is uh, actually the name comes from a from a, a line from Friends that I always thought was funny. Um, but it but the game is about opposites. Uh, so I thought, what a fun little jokey title. So and again, this is something that I will never publish. Publish. I'll, I'm going to put it through the Game Crafter, get it printed so that I have decks available to use with my coaching. Um, but right now I'm setting up to do some zoom sessions with people on this. So the idea of the game is that, um, you get a card. Yeah. Uh, if you're the, so there's, you're playing with four to 10 players is ideal. You could play with more. Um, I wouldn't suggest playing with less if you can avoid it. Uh, but what you do is I'm given a card and that card has two words on it. Right. And those words are going to be, um, different things like, um, people, places, things, um, they're probably not going to be like adjectives or adverbs or anything like that, but you know, maybe, maybe some verbs here and there, but most, mostly nouns is what I'm saying. Not all nouns, but mostly nouns. Right. Um, and, uh, so like think of like one of the words might be Antarctica, right? And the other word on, on there might be cactus. Okay. So those are the two words on the card, very different words, um, so you get that card and let's say that I'm the first player. So I get that card. I see those two words. I'm going to pick one of those words. Okay. I'm going to pick one of those words. I'm not going to tell anyone, but I'm going to pick it. And then I'm going to take this other card I have And this game is, uh, everybody has little dry erase cards, right? I'm going to take the card and I'm going to write on that card, the opposite 
of the word I chose. So let's say I chose Antarctica, right? So like, I'm like, okay, I need to choose the opposite of Antarctica. Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is the Arctic, right? Because it's on the opposite side of the globe. But somebody also might be like, well, Antarctica is really cold. I'm going to say Death Valley, right? So let's go with that. Yeah. Death Valley, right? That, that was where I was going. Was it? Great. See? See? We communicate differently, right? So, so I, I was actually Death- thinking Sayara. What was that? I was, I was actually thinking the, the Sahara Desert. Yeah, the Sahara is actually the best, probably example. So, um, so anyway, so I write Death Valley on there. I and then I hand the de- card that just says Death Valley to the next person. Now their job, as you might guess, is to look at the word Death Valley and write the opposite of that. Right? Now, let's okay. say the words were. Let's say the word was hot. If the word was hot, when I give it to you, you're probably going to write cold. And the next person might write hot. And you may literally go back and forth, hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold, right? But with Antarctica <laughs> or cactus, that's not what's going to happen, right? So we're going to go, yeah. you're going to now write the opposite, and it's going to go back and forth between everyone. Opposite, 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 opposite. Now, when it gets to the last person, they're going to be given the word, uh, and we're going to know, we're going to be able to count and say, okay, this word is the is should be the opposite of the original word, right? That way you know whether it's whether you're looking for whether it should be like this word or not like this word, right? And then you're going to take off the 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 first person um, is going to take a well the uh, sorry the other person is going to take another card off the deck. Ah, sorry, <laughs> the first person will take a second card off the deck, mix them up, and then flip over the original card with the two words on it and a new card with two words on it, showing it to that last person who must look at the card on it, right? And look at the word on the card and then say what word it is, what word the original word was, right? Um, Okay, but each card has two words on it. Right, so you're going to be picking from four words. So you have a one in four chance with zero information, right? Um, Well, you have some information. Right, but I'm saying if you had zero information, you would have a one in four chance of getting it, right? Just by yeah, okay. blindly guessing. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, so that's... And you go around until everyone has had a chance to start the game or however long the rounds take because um, the game plays pretty quickly. At least the original version did. Uh, the original version was... I would write a word that I thought would make you guess the original word and then, the, and then the next person would write a word they thought would make you guess the word they were given and down the chain. That game was very easy. And because it's very easy to say, like, and even in communication, it's very easy to say things so that the same. But, like, when I think of something and I have to think of what's the opposite of that, that can be very, very different, it right? Can go, yeah, it can yeah. go very different ways. So, so yeah. So, I'm going to be testing that out with some people um, over some Zoom calls. Uh, and I've actually picked teams. Like I have some teams that are volunteering to give it a try for me, and then I'll give them a little little lesson on communication and and in that sort of thing. Um, yeah. So any any hmm. questions or thoughts on that? Yeah, I guess. I mean, the idea sounds awesome. First of all, because I that's the kind of I guess it's the kind of game that I've been thinking about. It's one of the my I guess my white whales. I want to do like a game, like a party game that it's very simple to to explain, but very fun for everybody. And I guess the one thing that uh, I'm kind of having thoughts about the game is is that going through each player one by one, there may be a lot of downtime, especially with a higher player account. Um, 
and and I don't know if there's something you could do to to prevent that to some extent, um, because because ultimately you can actually have like every round, everybody has a card, and and you just pick the and write on it and then pass it to the person on your left, and then everybody's doing the same for everybody on their right, right? So so it goes around and everybody's doing that selection every single time, and when right. it goes to the last person then everybody can like vote or do something along those lines. So there's different, there's a lot of different cards on the table. So you don't even have to draw that extra card. There's going to be a lot of different cards on the table. And even having that information is very interesting because you've gone through different cards throughout this, these many turns and that can influence your decision for the next card. Um, right. To some extent, you know, that- so, so you, what I was going to say was that that's a great idea. What if, what if each card only had one word on it in that case? And the reason I say that is because then if you've got, if you have 10 players, you have 10 words out there. Um, yep. So that's a lot. And then maybe you flip over one extra card or something like that, you know, to make it so there's um, not perfect. Inf- like that last person um, isn't going to know for sure what it is. If everyone has been perfect, I mean, I guess if everyone's been perfect, the last person should get it for free because, wow, that's impressive. Um, <laughs> but I like that idea a lot, actually, Julio, though. That's really interesting. Um, and it does completely eliminate the downtime. Yeah. And, and I think, like, if you maybe have, like a, like, a card that you can write, so player one through ten, and just you have all the cards on the table and you just put it, Put the card that you think belongs to each person, depending on whatever card they ended up with, as the opposite, right? Uh, and and then you can just score based on that, and that could just be one whole game, um, or you know you could do three rounds, that kind of thing, and just get the score that way, right? And so that would work really well in a physical game. Um, in a um, in a Zoom version of the game probably the original way would be a little easier because you'd be messaging people. Like I message you the word and then you message the next person, the next word um, simply because passing all those words would be difficult to make sure that we had them. And the, you know what I mean? Um, but I should yeah. figure that out. So that actually makes me think that I would just do one word on each card. And then in a zoom version, I would just say, draw two cards in the beginning, pick one and, uh, and then no, actually, I wouldn't. You just draw one, and then at the end, I would say, draw three more cards so that there's a one in four chance. You know, so you're picking from that. Um, that's that's solid, man. Thank you for that. I didn't expect you to have like actual feedback on this because it was so simple. And there you go, blowing my mind, man. Jason, Jason, I'm not I you. I give I get good feedback. I should know better. I should know better. You do give great feedback, so. <laughs> Well, yeah, good luck with that, man. And let me know how it goes. And and I think you really shouldn't uh, just keep it to, to GameCraft or anything. I think you you could follow it, and it could be something interesting to, to pitch in the future. So That's fair. Yeah, I mean, don't, I... Um, yeah, uh, don't give up on it before you've even tried. That's fair. Um, I'll probably still put it on GameCrafter only because... I want to immediately be able to print up decks that I can use when I'm when I'm coaching and training people, because um, that's really okay. helpful, you know. And basically, what I can do is I can run them through it, and then I can say, "Hey, I'll send you a deck of it," and then they'll be able to play it on their own. Uh, and it it'll be super cheap because it's just going to be a deck of, gosh, I don't know, maybe seventy two cards, maybe ninety cards. 
Um, if they each have yeah, one word on have, them, you can have them be double sided too. Like have the opposite of each. You know, if it's Antarctica and Sahara on on the same card, but on the opposite side of the card, and that could true. work in the gameplay in some way as well. So that's true. Good point. Well, thank you, man. Well, we yeah, are yeah. so. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, that's that was a good pitch, and and I'm I'm excited to hear more about it, but. Before we end, I want to have a little announcement for the builders out there. So, uh, as you all know, I have a game coming out from Pandasaurus Games called Control. Yes. And excitingly enough, that game is going to come out this this month in July. Uh, oh, wow. It's going to come out. Yeah, the release date is July 27th. Oh, nice. And it's going to be, it's actually going to be in Target. So, congrats, uh, man. Anybody. Thank you, thank you. So that, I'm really excited about that. It's gonna be in Target, and it's gonna be on your friendly local game store as well. Uh, and it's a area control game that that is taught in less than five minutes, and it's two to four players. It's a three dimensional cube that you're trying to control every angle of the cube by the different perspectives of how you're looking at the cube through your colors, and you're blocking people using connectable cubes. So it's a very tactic. Uh, ta- I guess. Uh, Tactical, yes, but it's yes. tactility. Tactile. It has a yes. lot of tactility. Tactile, yeah. Tactical but at the and same tactile. Time, yes, and it could be used as a toy as well because it basically is like little cube Legos that you're you're playing right. with. Right. So if you just need a toy for for some kids, that you could do that as well. And the game, I'm, I'm I was so surprised that Pandasaurus. It's actually the the MSRP for the game is twenty five dollars. Yeah, that is so, that is something only a company of that size or larger could pull off, right? Because, yeah, that's well, impressive and, that they and, were able to do that. Yeah, I mean, there's there's 54 card games that are $25, and this is a, a three-dimensional game that is they made such a great production on it, and I'm really excited for that game to come out. So if anybody wants to try it out, go go pick it up and... and uh, tweet at me and, and share. I'm going to be very excited when that happens. So, Yeah, I'll definitely be picking that one up for sure. I can't wait. I've been really excited about that one since I first saw the uh, the pictures that Pandasaurus put up, and I was like, what? Oh, yeah. It's funny because when I first saw, I knew you had a game with them, and when I saw that, I was like, well, that's Julio's game. <laughs> like, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so and, and another thing, I guess uh, I'm actually – very excited right uh, right now. I'm going to be working on some tabletop simulator stuff for a pitch that I got tomorrow. I'm going to be pitching some games. And I actually figured out like to have like a st- at the start of the pitch how the game is going to be and then save it at the end so I can show both sides. So I've been working on that a bit. So I'm excited about that. So hope, wish me luck on that. That's awesome. Yeah, you'll have, to, you'll have to show me that. And once you get that, I would love to see that. That's a great idea. Cool. All right. Well, hey, we are going to wrap up here because we are we are over time here, uh, as if like we're running out of time on the internet. So uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. I hope you enjoyed our discussion tonight. I certainly did. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us at buildinggamepodcast.com, buildinggamepodcast at gmail.com, uh, on Twitter at podcastbtg at j a slingerland. Julio is at hunasaru j u n a z a r u. 
And you can also call us at 770-TEL-BTG, or you can find us on Facebook or all the podcast places and uh, give us lots of good reviews. We love that. Feel, feel free to submit multiple versions of the same good review. That's even better. And until next time, good night. Buenas noches. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Dial 770 Hotel BGG. Please don't use the email. <laughs>